The following is a Tony Lasano podcast. An Opai production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is Minutia Man with Rick and Dave. Special edition, special edition, special edition, special edition, special edition. This is a Minutia Man special edition. We have put together for you a... Uh, a compendium of highlights of uh, some of our uh, favorite interviews. Uh, the interview segment of Minutia Men has now been a part of the podcast for the last six months or so. Uh, please enjoy some of the great highlights that we've had for you over those last few months, uh, beginning with this one. Time now for the Celebrity Minutia Minute. Hey, you got a minute? Celebrity Minutia Minute with Rick and Dave. Okay, we're very excited. Joining us on the phone, a f- financier. Author, podcaster, uh, former White House uh, communications chief. Uh, the po- the podcast, by the way, is Mooch and the Misses. Is that correct? That that's correct. Yeah, it's it's a lot cheaper than therapy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I like I that. Where my my wife takes a cheese grater to my forehead. Well, be careful because it's not going to be cheaper than a divorce. Yeah. So make make sure you're okay with the podcast. <laughs> so now uh, we got to avoid that. We got to avoid that at all costs. We saw you just turned fifty five years old. Dave and I are both also fifty five. And um, if we yeah. were standing in a line, people would think, "Oh, look at those nice gentlemen with their son." Yeah, you look much better than us, buddy. How do you do it? What is the secret? Well, that that's. Okay, so that's hair tie and Botox, fellas. Okay, I mean, that's the key, okay? So, you know, listen now, I was using Cuban leader black, but it looked terrible on, on TV. So the color now is Latin American dictator brown. <laughs> you got to lighten it up a little bit. You need, you need softer tones, and you need a good uh, Upper East Side dermatologist, and you two can look 10 years younger than you actually are. So we also have to win the lottery uh, in order to have that kind of money to do that. <laughs> So, 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 middle-aged, fat, bald guy, Jewish guy look isn't the or, uh, the tone is what I'm using. I should change is no, what you're it's saying. A, it's a it's a good look. Everybody <laughs> thinks you have a higher IQ than me, so that's like a good look. You know? <laughs> yeah. um, don't, don't kid yourself. You got whatever look. I think the point of the story is whatever look you have, you got to go with it. You know, I'm I'm early '70s Italian. You know, John Travolta's uh, Arthur Fonzarelli book. Got to go with that. You know. Well, it works great for you and look great. Uh, hey, can you settle a debate for us? Were you at the White House for ten days or eleven days, and when does the pension kick in? Okay, so so this is like a super important point because it's a sore spot for me. Because if you take if you take July 31st and you minus July 21st, everyone says ten days. But you got to think about it, fellas. If I work a full day on the 21st and I'm working a full day on the 31st, which I did, that's 11 days. Okay, all right. And so you know, I, I, you know, I, I'm trying to disrupt the fake news out there in the civilization, let people know that it's 11 days. Now, you could also say it was 954,000 seconds. <laughs> Sometimes I have to say that to my therapist, make myself feel better. But, but you know, you talk about the pension. So you, you got to get two pay periods to be eligible for anything in the government related to the pension. Uh, but I never would have been eligible anyways because I was one of 60 of the president's guys that elected not to take any pay. Oh, okay. now, of course, I was only there for 11 days, so it didn't it didn't matter anyway. Let's talk about what it's like to work in the White House. And I know you weren't taking any pay, but did, you know, I don't know, like a souvenir towel accidentally <laughs> slip into the briefcase? You know, there's the little presidential seal on all that stuff. I mean, there's got to be, do you have any, like, yeah. souvenirs yeah, from that Yeah, what'd you steal? Time? What'd you steal, buddy? 
Yeah. So, all right. So I, I walked out of there with nothing. Um, and, uh, uh, the uh, one of the president's guys sent me a bottle of Trump vodka oh, and right. the coffee, the the styrofoam esque paper cups that have the presidential seal on them from Air Force One. Ooh, that's kind of cool. Coffee on Air Force Air Force One. So I have a a stack of them, and then the president sent me a uh, a uh, a nice uh, note. Uh, even though I was only there for a short period of time, thanking me. Obviously, you know, I got hired to fire previous and Bannon. Right. So I did accomplish that, but I, uh, I caused a problem for myself on the way out. Yeah. And you guys may or may not know this, but uh, John Kelly fired me, and I had lunch with John uh, two weeks ago, and he's going to be the keynote speaker at my conference. So oh, really? It's a lesson to your, uh, oh, yeah, it's a lesson to your podcast listeners. There's no whining in sports or politics, mm-hmm. no grudges. Um, as I told John, you know, listen, I did something fireball, something that I shouldn't have said. Got picked up by a reporter I trusted. Can't trust the reporter, so those are those are my bad. It is a fireball offense. Yeah, you said some bad I words. I just wish he didn't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I just wish he didn't fire me uh, uh, like I was an Austin Powers villain. I didn't think I needed to be ejected <laughs> from the situation like that. <laughs> But like I told John and I told Trump, I said, you guys made me as famous as Melania and Ivanka. I didn't have to sleep with Trump or be his daughter, so I'm mm. fine. You know, he's just moving you, on. You're like, like a sort of you're thing. like a one word guy now. You're like a share. You're Oprah. You're Mooch. I mean, you're you you there. There's like there's only like a dozen people in the entire yeah. country that have the one name. Right. You got Twiggy in the '60s. We got yeah. the Mooch or Mooch. Yeah, you're right. You're a one name guy. Yeah. Well, I, I, it, 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 in some ways it's ominous, in some ways it's flattering. I mean, you know, the, the flip side is you have to own it. What you can't, you can't do is you can't, uh, uh, you can't shirk away from it. Um, you know, that's the key thing. You know, you just got to own it. And so that's what I try to do. So you you were there for eleven days. Or eleven days, as we just figured out. Yeah. Did you get business cards? And 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 do other people in the White House have business cards? Like Mike Pence, does he have business cards? And like when he's at a lunch yeah, with, like, pleased to meet your vice president. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do, 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 do you have business cards? Yeah. Or can we so have Mike some? Pence, yeah, the, yeah. So the president doesn't have business cards. <laughs> Mike actually, uh, the vice president Pence actually does have business cards. All of his assistants do. Um, I didn't get them. They they probably were being made for me uh, right before I got fired. But yeah. but uh, right. um, there's yeah, probably yeah, a box of them the sitting in somebody's office cards. there, right? Yeah, no, I don't think they quite got to it. Oh, you know? okay. I mean, listen, it was like the shootout at the OK Corral. <laughs> I have to remember that, uh, you know, these guys were leaking on the president real badly. I, know. Uh, I mean, the president, the president's done a phenomenal job, but he made one very, very big mistake. Making Reince Priebus the chief of staff yeah. uh, was like putting the creature from the Black Lagoon <laughs> in charge of draining the swamp, right? I mean, this mm-hmm. guy was like the, a real uh, swamp creature. And so all he was interested in was adding swamp creatures to the White House staff and flooding uh, the swamp with more swamp juice. So so that was a mistake that the president made. And listen, you know, it is what it is. You know, we move on. But, you know, he hired me to fire the guy. I got in there to mix it up. I probably shouldn't have started my first day with a chainsaw and a hockey mask. <laughs> um, I was a little bit too charged up because of what this guy was doing to me. Yeah. And, uh, you know, say la vie. You, know, you move on. But I think it's a le- also a lesson for your listeners. Don't put your ego and pride into your decision making. I did that, and it cost me, and I made I made some uh, classic mistakes. You know, and well, so, you know, the flip side is you got to forgive yourself after you make the mistakes and move on. 
no sense of kicking yourself over it. It, it is what it is. Well, let's face it. That's that job, the White House Director of Communications. It, that could be one of the hardest jobs in the world, and especially for this president. Yeah, I mean, no question. There are times you you wake up in the morning. I I'm guessing you you wake up in the morning. You look at the Twitter feed and you go, Oh my god, <laughs> right. what am right. I gonna? Right. I mean, what guy should I, I, I call in right. sick? I, I can't come no, in today, no Mr. Question. President. And, and when he feels like nobody's protecting him or there's no media advocacy on his behalf or there's no surrogates out there, he, he launches into some serious Twitter invective. Oh, yeah. and, and a lot of times, you know, there's, there's some unstrategic unstr- tweeting. I mean, there was one situation where he was talking about Mika Brzezinski, who's on the show Morning yeah. Joe with her husband, Joe Scarborough. You know, the president used to call that show Morning Eating Crow. And so she's on there saying something nasty about him. He, he starts lighting her up. And I remember when we were friends and the blood from your facelift was dripping on my carpet at mar a yeah. 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 You're just groaning and saying, you know, that's not that's not helpful because uh, no. now you've got a mortal enemy and she lights him up to three hours a day every day. Right, right. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's true. You know, I love the fact that you're willing to come on our show, and you're, you know, you're not just on Fox. You do all sorts. Of, you know, your podcast. Um, so, thank you for that. As podcasters, we appreciate your accessibility. But here's a question for you: You versus Chris Cuomo in a street ball? Who's gonna or street brawl? Who's gonna win? Well, he's he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna thump me pretty good because he's in unbelievable shape. We like to tease him and say he must be taking human growth hormone because he's like Mr. Muscle. He is pretty um, buff, isn't he? I still he? think I can take him. Yeah, I think I can take him in a verbal sparring match, but this guy could snap me into a twig over his knee if I ever got really mad at him. So I'm, I'm always watching for where his hands are while I'm teasing him <laughs> on the air so I don't get popped somewhere. Joining us right now on the phone, former Cy Young winner, Chicago White Sox great. And also, I believe, an Indian, an Angel, a Yankee. But for a us, musician. for us, he's he'll always be a Chicago White Sox player. Black Jack McDowell. How are you today, Jack? Hey, doing well. What's going on, guys? Hey, thanks really a lot for appreciate your time. Hey, uh, you've probably taken, what, thousands of flights, you know, airplane uh, trips. Can you remember any scary ones where you're thinking, all right, this is the bottom of the ninth for the old Jackster? Any any memorable scary flights? Well, we had one crazy one with the White Sox that uh, we were we were coming back from, I believe we're coming back from Seattle, okay, and probably about thirty five minutes into the flight, all of a sudden, boom! You heard this big boom, and you know, in the in the plane starts rattling. Yeah. And we look out, and the engine's on fire. <laughs> oh my <laughs> god. <laughs> I'm not a mechanic, but that's like, not good. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's that's one thing. You know, I, I don't know much about aviation, but I'm pretty sure the wings <laughs> on fire. But so here comes the flight attendant. She runs back and she looks at it and she sees and she just closes the windows. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to see here. And I'm guys. like, going, wow, did they really they teach that? And so we're sitting here going, okay. So a lot of the guys were asleep. A um, couple of us were awake, and we ended up having to do an emergency landing in, I think, Kansas City. But yeah, the yeah the the wings on fire. Those the fun. A couple funny parts of that is uh, you know some guys some guys were to the point of tearing up and crying and freaking out. <laughs> name names. Yeah, yeah. Come on, name, name names. names right here. <laughs> and some guy and, and some guys were having fun like us. We were like, oh, okay, whatever. You know, what are you gonna do? But 
Pudge, Pudge was sleeping at the time, and I, I always sat in the seat right behind him. So I woke him up. I said, "Hey, Pudge, Pudge, we just we just lost an engine, dude. The engine just blew out. It was on fire." And and, and he just waking up. He looks at me. and He goes, "Just one." Yeah. <laughs> he goes. He goes. Okay. And he goes back to sleep. I'm like, "Oh, now that is better in leadership." Right. Exactly. <laughs> Okay, joining us on the show, we're very excited. Uh, this is uh, Bob Romanus. Is that how you pronounce your last name, Bob? Yeah, good enough, Romanus. <laughs> yeah, you know what? We're just good enough people too, so this is perfect. <laughs> That's our goal. Every on. show is to be good enough. <laughs> so uh, you may remember uh, Bob. He played Mike Damone in the classic Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Favorite movie of all time. One of our favorites. You know, I, I had read that you actually. Was it in a high school in Van Nuys, I think it was, where you kind of, you, you, you went and observed serotypiously people, um, high school students? Tell, uh, how did you research this role? I, I swear. Well, I you know, you're talking about, I went to Van Nuys High School once I found out I got the role. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just wanted to walk around the school and like get an idea of the fashions and just kind of look at the people. And uh, I think they must have thought I was a narc. I was walking <laughs> around taking notes, looking at everybody. So the thing that I was surprised to find out is that you were 26 years old when the movie was made, something like that. Yes, I was 26. You yeah. totally pulled off oh high God, school kid. Was... That was amazing. Well, that was the uh, that was the big. Uh, the big hump I had to get over in auditioning. It took me seven weeks of auditioning. Oh no shit! And really? finally, in the end, I I you know improvised everything, done every scene. The director took me to hair and makeup, and uh, and the big uh, glitch was the producer thought I might look a little too old, and. Uh. Uh, so, but you know, when every nobody in that movie was a teenager, right? That's a good know? point. So it uh, actually made sense and worked out for me. You know, Fast Times was what thirty-five years ago, I guess it came out. Something like that, yeah. Um, what? Yeah, I'm sure people still recognize you. Obviously, by your voice, people would recognize you. What is the strangest place that you have ever been recognized? Is there like a particular <laughs> story or place? You know, one day uh, I was floating down the Kern River up here in uh, Southern California. And uh, I had like a week's growth of beard. I had a baseball cap pulled over my eyes. <laughs> I'm floating in the middle of the river in an inner tube, just kind of cruising down the river. And somebody yells out, hey, Damone. <laughs> <laughs> And that totally, uh, to- totally took me out of my daydream. And I said, "How the hell did you?" Do that? <laughs> that's because you know where, wherever you are, you have to you have to pretend like that's the coolest place Ex- to be. Exactly. And your mustache well, was is, coming in. That's so. right. That is the place to be. Well, this is exciting. Uh, we have a uh, musical celebrity on the on the the show with us this week. He uh, is famous for. You know, one of the great songs of the 90s, Rico Suave. Uh, please welcome Gerardo. Thanks for being on the show. My brother, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. <laughs> um, now, in retrospect, with that song, it's great. 
when it was happening, I heard it so often, <laughs> you know what? And you were far better looking than Rick and I ever were. And all of our girlfriends would look at, oh, oh yeah, look thanks at a him. lot. Yeah, thanks a lot right. for the 90s, pal. <laughs> Thank you, man. Thanks a lot. So do you, uh, that was obviously your, your big hit. You did have another hit, but do you kind of consider yourself a, a one hit wonder? Is that, uh, would that be an accurate uh, description? Well, you know, for a long time, I hated that label, you know, yeah. I was like, oh man, but, uh, in, as, as time has passed and, uh, as we talk, you're going to find out that I've become a, a pastor. Mm-hmm. It has been a, uh, a lure or a, 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 a way of me to, to reach out to people that, you know, would have never came to church. But when they hear Rico Suave preaching, they <laughs> either want to come check it out just because, you know, they, you know, they think it's going to be something odd or something. And then when they come in the door, you know, usually a guy takes a hold of them and, and it's over for, it's on it from there. But like I said, now I'm, I'm really content with it. It's, Hey man, I'll be the, you know, one hit wonder if I can get one soul to the door. Yeah, um, exactly. Um, when you're preaching, you are wearing a shirt though, right? <laughs> when I'm preaching what? I'm sorry to hear. Uh, you're wearing a shirt, not like the nineties. Oh no, were- no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, you know, I'm trying to keep it still like, you know, uh, of course, not shirtless, but you know, I, 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 I'm trying to keep it young, you know. So I'll, I'll wear, you know, I'm, 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 I'm probably the one of the few pastors that wear skinny jeans and, and a ball cap and this and that. And, you know, I, I still try to be myself. I, I, I'm still having a hard time, you know, being that guy with with a tie on and, and the whole thing. So yeah, we are too. I'm not your traditional uh, pastor. Well, that's that's great and and good for you. Um, we got to ask: uh, Do you still have those six pack abs? And that beautiful mullet. Do you still have that beautiful mullet? Well, the six-pack abs is probably a two-and-a-half-pack right now. <laughs> well, that's two-and-a-half more. That's better than, than we do. Yeah, because the bottom abs, they're, you know, at 53, they're a little tough to get by. I really, I mean, if if I worked out a good three months, I got a good regimen that I can, in three months, I can get them back. But I've been lazy lately. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. not worth it. As far as, as far as the mullet, there's nothing I can do, my brother. My hair be receding for the last couple of years is almost gone. Oh, okay. now well, we love you. Yeah, yeah. Now, now we now, now we we're the you. president of the Pastor G fan club. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, I actually yeah. wrote. You know what? I'll yeah, send you. I, 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 I just kind of, you know, you fight it so much, and you you try to be creative, and I, I'm at the point I'm, I just shaved it the other day. And I, you know, the, the the bad thing about me is that uh, I can't grow a goatee because I figure, yeah, I look kind of fly with ball head on a goatee, but it don't happen, man. It just looks like, uh, I don't know, I had an accident or something. <laughs> so uh, what kind of com- the hat? Uh, okay, so you're in denial. You're stage one denial with a hat. Uh, what kind of comb overs did you use? Did you do the uh, front over back like Donald Trump? Did well, you do- I, I had I had the Caesar cut for a long time. Oh, good. When, yeah. when it wasn't relevant anymore, I had the Caesar cut. You know, it wasn't a, it wasn't by choice. Okay, this is a uh, a big thrill here for the Minutia Men uh, coming to you live from Chicago. We have a uh, a big guest on the phone, uh, Susan Bennett, who uh, you may know better as the voice of Siri. Uh, thanks very much for coming on Welcome. with us. Hi, Dave. Uh, hi, how are Dave you? Dave and Rick. I'm Rick. <laughs> oh, hi, Rick. <laughs> That's all right. There's two of us. We both have such uh, pleasant speaking voices. It's our Chicago accents, Susan. Yeah. Um, well, thank you very much for coming on the show. Oh, you're welcome. Um, you know, we're big fans. We listen to you every day, pretty much. 
uh, Rick has a uh, he has a has something to tell you as though what he did with his voice. Well, so now I have to confess something to you. I I was in England last summer, and I was and people were walking around talking to Siri, and Siri had a British accent. Yes, and, and it was a man. Yes. Yeah, the very first um, iPhone voice in England was a guy named John Briggs, who is a pretty famous um, BBC announcer. Oh. And uh, yeah, he's a great guy. Oh, so you've met you've met all the other series? Or, or is I it... have not met all the other series, um, but I did get in touch with him when the Siri thing first happened. Uh, of course, Siri came out in 2011, and uh, we were all all of us who'd done the the types of recordings that became Siri. We had no idea. And so we were all just taken aback. It's like, I'm who? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so you just went into a recording studio and recorded stuff. So the thing that is shocking to us is it seems like you have actually recorded every word in the English language. Is that it? No, of course not. Well, if, I know that's not true, but how in the world? Yeah, what'd you do? How long did this take? And... uh you know, what well, what they ask you to do? Well, the recordings, the type of recordings that I did and, and all the other people that, that supply these digital voices like, you know, Alexa and Cortana, all the others, GPS systems, these are called IVR recordings, interactive voice response. And the scripts are really, really strange. Um, the first recordings that I did that became Siri, and by the way, none of us knew what we were doing. We thought we were just doing um, some sort of weird messaging for phone systems. And mine started in 2005. I worked four hours a day, five days a week for the month of July. And that was the basic vocabulary that became Siri. Now, those scripts were made up of these phrases and sentences that were created just for sound. Um, Because after the recordings were done, technicians and computers would go into the recordings and extract sounds, reform them into new sentences. And these are what ended up on our devices. So we were saying nonsensical stuff like uh, Fossa, ask Fossa, ask Fussy, or Schist Fresh Issue Today. <laughs> hey, hold on. You can swear. You can swear all yeah. you want if you want yeah. to say it. So it was, uh, it was really, really crazy. Yeah. Wow, that is the coolest thing ever. Uh, and, and like you said, you had no idea that you were going to be the voice of Siri. Do you remember the first time you, like, did... You know, did a friend of yours say, hey, by the way, I bought this new phone and you're on it? I mean, how did you how did you know about it or, or did they tell well, you? Well, the day that Siri appeared was October 4th, 2011. Yes, she's a Libra. Oh, oh okay. And a fellow voice actor emailed me and said, hey, we're playing around with this new iPhone app. Isn't this you? And I went, what? Wow. Wow. So I, uh, I went on the Apple site and listened and I said, oh, my God. <laughs> Wow. I'm Siri. How did this happen? I don't get it. <laughs> oh, my God. That's wonderful. Okay. Joining us on the phone, this is a very exciting moment for both Dave and I. We have uh, Ted Giannoulis, who is coming to us live from where else? San Diego. It is the world-famous chicken, who now goes by the name of? Of uh, Ted Giannoulis in your life, <laughs> the San Diego chicken. <laughs> so are you still called the San Diego chicken? Oh, yes, absolutely. Uh-huh. So, Ted, you, you know, we consider you the greatest mascot of all time. And I, I think that's not that's not an overstatement. You uh, 
You are the the most famous. You've done it all. You're you're the funniest by far. You're absolutely hilarious. But the question is, did you ever get into a situation where you crossed the line at an event that it just went a little bit too far? Yes, yeah, and it was for all the right reasons. The the, the most famous one, I suppose, was um, the night I made Elvis laugh during concert on stage so hard that it stopped the show. Really? And, uh, yes. Oh, absolutely. It was about uh, 1976, about uh, 16 months before he passed away. And um, he was at the sports arena. And so Elvis was appearing on this night. And uh, as was my role, you know, I would, uh, you know, uh, work among the crowds. And then Elvis broke into a, a tribute uh, for Jerry Lee Lewis and started singing um, Whole lot of shaking going on. Uh-huh. And I said to myself, Yeah, that's my song. Exactly. Because You're the chicken. You cannot not dance to the shaking going on. All I can say is that thank God it wasn't great balls of fire. <laughs> that's right. Because God only knows. in the barn. Yeah, <laughs> what barn? My barn. So as, he, as he's breaking into this number in the darkness there of the sports arena, I run down the aisle of, uh, of the seats onto the floor and then beeline it all the way up to the stage. And there is Elvis is singing. I'm dancing right under him, going back and forth in, in the front row of the aisle there. And Elvis catches this, and he starts laughing. And I mean laughing hard, fellas. And it, it gets to the point where he, uh, he, he loses his lyrics, loses control of his lyrics, and also drops the one knee laughing so hard. And, and, and as he's glancing over, he's got tears in his eyes. The Klieg lights were clearly showing this. And it gets to the point where the band is still playing back, uh, back behind them, but from their angle, they couldn't see that, you know, I was goofing off uh, in, in the front row beneath the stage. And Elvis's doctor runs on stage. You killed Elvis. <laughs> you killed Elvis. The famous the famous Dr. Nick. Mm-hmm. And he comes on with his black bag, and, and he, he runs onto the stage. He attempts to get Elvis to lay down as he's on, on, on one knee laughing so hard, <laughs> cannot continue with the song. And Elvis shakes him off, and he just points to me um, loosely. And, and, uh, and this is as the doctor has already pulled out his stethoscope. <laughs> and then uh, he sees me, and he, and he mouths an epitaph, and uh, uh, puts his uh, stethoscope away back into the bag and hustles off the uh, the stage. Elvis collects himself, turns him, uh, turns to the band, signals to them to, to keep playing louder now, and he finishes the song. And I'm still dancing uh, up and down uh, <laughs> of the aisle. The number finishes, and then Elvis's, Elvis turns and apologizes to the crowd for flubbing the lyrics. And he says, I don't know if you all can see, but you got to believe me. There's a chicken dancing up here <laughs> in front. Oh, there's a chicken. And, uh, there's a chicken. Uh, right. Uh, and, uh, and the audience, the audience acknowledges, sure, because they're quite familiar with me. And then he says, um, "Well, he comes. Elvis comes up with a great line. He says, well, I want to warn this chicken something. Uh, I don't know who put him up to this, but my manager's name is.'" The Colonel. <laughs> oh, very nice. Elvis still had game back then. Uh, while this was going on, did you kind of think to yourself, uh-oh, this could be the end of the chicken? I mean, you, you know, screwing around with Elvis. 
Right. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm like, uh, I, I decide I'm going to chicken out of here. <laughs> so I get all um, uh, frightened, and I dart out of the arena, you know, to all this applause with Elvis's line, and I'm running right back up uh, into the uh, uh, concourse area, and that's where five um, uh, security guards were waiting for me. The they Memphis Mafia. They rushed me. And and literally horizontally carried me right out of the sports arena, <laughs> and using even my head as a battering ram through the doors, you know, opened up and and opened up the place and and took me out to the parking lot where they dropped me, and uh, <laughs> and started reading me the riot act, you know. But um, the way I look at it, fellas. You know, I made the king laugh. Oh, my God. I mean, yeah, it was worth it. Exactly. It was totally worth it. So you ran a little afoul with the law. <laughs> but um, right? um, all right. Uh, that was a great story. That, that was. was Ted. This this could get a little nasty right here. This part of the interview might get a little uh, nasty. Um, I'm a bald man. Uh, and I got to be honest with you, um, you don't you're not real kind to my people. You do the you do the towel shining the head thing. And quite frankly, it's a little humiliating to my people. And I, we're going to give you an opportunity now to apologize to all the bald guys that you made fun of. Well, are you going to do that well, for us, Ted? Well, hey, wait a minute now. Bald is beautiful. There you go. OK. And I consider I consider uh, the, the, the polishing of that uh, as as a tribute. You know, people polish nice things, jewelry, Porsches, you know, and obviously golden domes. <laughs> okay, okay, well, I appreciate, and I do have a very nice wow. egg on the top of my head. So, yes, well, we appreciate that. I don't know how sincere that was, but I'll let you off the hook. Thank you very much for that. That has been our special edition of Minutia Men. We'll be back again next week uh, with uh, with another edition of uh, a brand new edition uh, that will be uh, produced by executive producer Tony Lasana of Opi Productions. will be distributed by Ed Silla of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Next week's brand new edition of Minutia Men will return uh, right here. The proceeding was a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Find our other great shows on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and at radiomisfits.com. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Old Pie Productions. Tony, can you shut up? Lasano and Friends. I do this podcast. Really? Yeah, you should listen to it. What's it called? Well, Lasano and Friends. Lasano and Friends or Lasano and Friends? No, it's Lasano. It's totally different. Oh, yeah. Go yeah. crap. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, man. It'd be nice if Tony were actually here today for this uh, promo we're doing. No, I think a promo stands on its own better when the star of the show is not in it whatsoever. Wow. Are we friends with each other or just Tony? I'm friends on Facebook. Yeah, we're hey, friends hey, on hey, Facebook. Hey, quite, quite, quite. Well, yeah. Lasano and Friends. Great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. So is this really a promo? How long are we going? <laughs> Radiomisfits.com Be sure to tune in to Free Kicks with Adam and Rick. Our podcast highlights the best soccer league in the world. The English Premier League. We recap the previous week's games. And preview the upcoming games. I do it from an American point of view. And I do it as an authentic Brit. Accent and all. That's authentic. Right, Governor? Not exactly how I say it. <laughs> we all also talk about the local soccer scene because Adam is the Illinois Youth Director of Coaching. If you love soccer... Football. Football. Tune in to Free Kicks. New episodes drop weekly. On the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. <laughs>